So we're on chapter four, at the bottom of page six, I am Bayes, and we're in the process of discussing the analogy as it is in the human, in the human physiology, human structure, the structure of faculties as the energy and containers are tailored toward each other, affect each other, are shaped, and together in a symbiotic fashion become the way any particular faculty functions. And that's because they're fundamentally what we call kreches primit, internal, internalized, integrated faculties. So we begin with an amorphous soul, a soul that has no shape and form, indivisible, not a composite of pieces, and this shape and form, this energy, contains potential, which in turn will become the potential for particular, for different faculties, wisdom, kindness, love, and so on. That in turn will evolve, metamorphosis, metamorphosis, a process, until they'll finally enter and join a container, whether it's the power of vision, in the eye, or the power of hearing in the ears, or the power of intelligence in the brain, and then we'll begin to function as such. Okay. So, now we continue chapter 4, where he concludes this analogy, and then applies it to our lives. The end of chapter, end of page 6, bottom of page 6, and this is why the faculties themselves manifest in a defined and finite fashion will be and in a separate way, meaning in a diverse way, separately one from another. As we discussed in the previous chapter, he discussed that, this, that they're, they're, they're fundamentally different. Both how each container is unique and distinct from another. And that's why you see different levels of how the soul manifests, whether it's in the mind or it's in the other parts of the body or in the legs. And also, as you define that, that diversity and distinction and how the faculties interact with each other. The faculty themselves come in a they come into, into a form of a defined and distinct form. Like the faculty of intelligence, of the mind. It does not manifest in a seamless way. Pshittus as in having no inflections and no defined structure. Pshittus means seamless. You know, it doesn't come in a undefined, just raw or, uh, called, you know, as I said, amorphous, undefined energy, just energy. And in a level of infinite or no limits. That's the contrary. Pshitus is the opposite of ischalkus. Pshitus means seamlessness. Ischalkus means distinctions. Bligvul is no end. And gvul is Yogbala is defined. So the faculties, like the, let's say the, the faculty of intelligence, doesn't come in a seamless, a non-distinct way. It's very distinct, and it is very defined and finite. The chol Every intelligent light or energy, every form of intelligence, really, er seichel, meaning the the light and the, the energy of intelligence ha, comes in a is is sensed and felt and experienced in a very defined way in a defined way not like willpower not like will or desire built that the way it comes out the way it's revealed it manifests and extends Without any limits. When you say somebody's will, my desire, that does not have any parameters. 
The desire may have a desire to eat, a desire to walk, but desire, by definition, is a very general, non-distinct force, makif, as you said earlier. Whereas seichel, mashen kenehira seichel, whereas the energy of intelligence, that comes in a defined way. And now he's going to explain what this definition is. So he's concluding and summing up this whole picture of Aripimi, the defined and confined energy that is integrated and internalized, fundamentally, as we said, fundamentally internalized. He's explaining it now in the context of that it, that it manifests in, in a very defined and, and distinct way. And several several elements to this. He's going to explain several elements to this distinction and this definition. Levad mashu Besides the fact that the intelligent that an idea, the intelligence, is in is in a specific matter. You know, you, let's say you're conceiving of an idea about how to build a home. You're conceiving an idea how to run your business. You're conceiving an idea how to get out of a uh, difficult situation. You're, you're conceiving of an idea of how to communicate uh, a concept to your students. Whatever it is, it all has pradover. It all, so so, so the, the, just by definition, the conceiving of an idea is already a distinct, something that you're thinking about. What, what, is, what is the seichel, what is the intelligent that is... What is the what is the definition of the intelligence? Shechenu gamberotzim. Now he's qualifying and saying the fact is this is also with desire and will. That you also have a will that is defined by what you want and what you desire. But as he's going to go on, will that's where it stops the similarity. Will and desire also has can have a distinct manifestation. So he's, but, he's, but he's being very thorough. So he's saying so intelligence. Besides the, that, comes back ball. It comes in a defined and distinct way. The, besides the fact that it's in a specific area, so it's not just the subject matter, or the object of your desire in rotsin, or the subject matter that you're conceiving of. Not only is that defined, but the actual revelation, the actual manifestation of the of the energy and of the revelation of the idea is also a limited energy. Because even a, an intelligent idea, even a, an, an intelligent energy, he calls it er seichel. I mean, it sounds a little weird, intelligent energy, but I use that expression because that's really the definition. Er is energy and seichel is intelligent. It really means it means the force of intelligence, basically, the power of intelligence. He's using air because it's we're talking here energy versus container. So it's the energy of intelligence, the light of intelligence. <laughs> so even Shababa Afshata, even an intelligence, an energy of intelligence that comes in that's very abstract. Not very, that's abstract. That is not really um, uh, confined defined and graspable in words, in letters, nasis. In letters, in other words, in, in, in distinct letters. Even such an intelligence is also a, a, a finite energy. Obviously, an intelligence that manifests in words and in letters, in other words, has a very distinct description, is clearly defined. But he's saying even an abstract idea even an abstract idea also has definition. I'm sorry, I just reread the same thing. So even an abstract idea also that does not have letters also comes in, is also a defined energy. And this is a definition that is in its essential nature. It's not a superimposed detail. That intelligence fundamentally is essentially uh, infinite. Endless. And it happens to be dressed up in a container. No. Intelligence, by definition, its energy is a finite one, even when you're talking about thinking about abstract ideas. The gambug will be spastically. And it's also defined and limited in its extension. So not only is its personality, is its, is its nature defined, but it's also defined in how far it extends. 
how far it manifests. The ad potove, that it comes till here and not further. In other words, there are parameters that define the, the, the idea. The kol seichel amiti, because every true intelligence, every true seichel, yesh boi hagbala kama yachilus pashat, has a parameter, has a definition, has a limit of how much it can spread, how much it can extend. And someone who is a very is a very smart man, smart person, who understands and comprehends the subject more in depth, his intelligence can extend increasingly more. But nevertheless, nevertheless, it's always with a finite parameter. Even in other words, even somebody who can conceive of a very smart person. And that is because the reason for that is because it is fundamentally an internal energy. And that's why it comes into into it comes in parameters. It has parameters. And it also comes in a form of distinction. Because every intelligent idea has has different as many de- as different details. Has several details. Because an intelligent idea cannot exist without details. And every detail is not similar of how the energy of your intelligence radiates there. And that there's an inner dimension to the idea. It's an external dimension. In one detail of this idea, the seichel, intelligence, can radiate more. That's the inner and depth of the idea. And another detail another detail may not have from that energy of the intelligence in such an internal way. So think of an idea that has many aspects to it. So first of all, idea what he's saying here, so far what he said, let me just sum up. He says, in addition to the fact that conceiving intelligence requires some parameter, simply what are you thinking about? You're thinking about something that's detailed, that has some, some you know, what is it about? You're thinking about, you're thinking about the properties of the sun. You're thinking about what your food you're eating. You're thinking about how you're going to walk. You're thinking about a plan you're making. That itself, but that's, that's, the, that's what you're thinking about has details. What he's saying now, even the process of, of ideas is, is defined. So what he's saying is that um, a, few, Matt, a few things that he's saying. Number one, in addition to what I just said that has a definition what you think about, is that the seichel itself, number one, is a fundamentally defined structure. It has an amount, it's defined by its personality, it's, it's, it's an identity is a def- defined one. It's defined by how much it can extend. In other words, an intelligent idea doesn't extend infinitely. It has a place, it has parameters where, how far it goes, and even a person with depth the idea is going to have its limits, its parameters. And also the idea itself is made up of many details. Again, not what you're thinking about, just the fact that you understand in the concept. Comprehension is made up of details, and each and different details have different amount of intelligence manifest in it. So you may have a detailed plan. Not every detail has all the intelligence. Some, some details are extremely important. Others may be less critical. So each detail has its own way of expressing the general concept and idea, inner and outer aspects of the idea. The chaim that's intelligence. The same thing is with one's emotions. 
emotions that are governed by intelligence. I'm not just talking about, in other words, wild, um, irresponsible, reckless feelings. We're talking about, you know, structured emotions and feelings that are mature, regulated by the mind. They have many different ways that they diversify and they separate and are distinct in the way that the energy, the energy of emotions extends each in, 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 in every detail of it. Like love that is uh, a love that is a result of a thoughtful process. A love that follows intelligence. You know, a love that has a reason for it. You love something for a good reason. So it's basically, it's been tempered, it's been, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a um, seasoned. A love, that, a love for something that comes after reflection with your mind. It's trying to say that it's a, you know, it's been solidly thought through. It comes in some type of finite form. And it does not necessarily compel someone to die for it. Because his love for it is somewhat limited. So in other words, just because your mind has compelled you to feel you love something, it doesn't mean you're going to die for it. Which means you go all the way. Infinite. It has, the love has, has limits. See what I'm saying? The love has limits. You may like something, you may love something, doesn't mean you're ready to do everything. So you can see that love itself has a, a parameters and limits of how much you go, how far you're going to go. Just like the intelligence before he described has limits how far you're going to go. Okay. Oh, let me let me stop here. So. Okay, so he's added now one final piece to the puzzle of how the energy that enters into the containers is um, fundamentally finite and distinct. Now he's going to explain this in a uh, context of application, application to Torah mitzvahs of how we serve God. She says, He's now going to explain what a mitzvah is. That in a mitzvah, we have two aspects to it. One is we're fulfilling God's will. In general, all mitzvahs are equalized by that factor. And the second thing is that each mitzvah has its particular intention, particular function. Okay? This is what we find. That the intention that we do mitzvahs, there's distinction between one intention and another. The intention why we do different mitzvahs are not similar in all mitzvahs. Because the reason and the secret behind each mitzvah are not similar one to the other. Like, for example, you give the kavanah, the intention of giving charities to help somebody. The kavanah meant making a blessing on food is acknowledgement. Thank you. So mitzvahs have different intentions and because they're not all one, not one, all one equalizer. Each one has a distinct purpose. Now we ask the question. But we learn in the Pirkei Avot, we learn in Amash, Amrazal, Altehei. And what it says, it says in the in the, in the Razal, the our sages teach us that you shouldn't sit and measure the mitzvahs of the Torah. But you should feel that the Kalash Shabakalas, the most lenient of the lenient of mitzvahs, and the most is the most severe of the severe and stringent of the mitzvahs, Kulam Shavar, are all equal. So a person soon says, you know what, this mitzvah I'm going to do because it's easier to do. This one is harder, I'm not going to do it. A person shouldn't be doing that. He's going to explain here how there's two elements to mitzvahs. Like he just said, remember we just spoke about how the faculties are each one distinct in their own way. So he's explaining, applying it now to our lives. So a person shouldn't say that. Why? Because 
because the mitzvahs come from that divine will, the higher divine will. Shabbat mitzvahs, that's within the mitzvahs. And the will, God's will and desire to you to do mitzvahs does not have any finite parameters and distinction. He wants all of them to carry the same will. I want you to do this. So from that perspective, all the mitzvahs are equal. It would be like you have a, uh, a team of people and saying, I want you to build a home for me. So one has to build, one is an electrician, one is a plumber, one is a contractor, one is a painter, etc. From the point of view, your desire, they have different jobs, but the desire is one. I want this building. Figure out how to do it. So the desire is a common denominator that equalizes them all. Okay. That's why you shouldn't be sitting and measuring. Someone will say, you know what? I think laying a brick is, 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 is trivial. And it's, it's only the people who set the, laid the foundation. That's what matters. That's not correct. Every detail is absolutely necessary from that perspective, from the world perspective. So, all the mitzvahs are equal. But if you look at from the perspective of the reason and the intention of each mitzvah, that there is a difference. Like, for example, the reason that there's a plumber, there's a reason there's an electrician, the reason there's another worker, they have a distinct thing. If they're all going to say, you know what, from the perspective of the builder, he doesn't really care the details, we all have, everything is equal, we'll all do the same thing. You also won't have a job done. So functionality has to be distinct. But there's an element that someone can't say one thing is more important than the next. Okay? So we see in the mitzvah there's two elements. There's the common denominator, the common equalizer, that it's all the will of the divine. And there's the element how each mitzvah serves its particular function. So if you talk about the will, the desire within the mitzvahs, that's where they're all equal. If you talk about the reason and the intention, that's where there's a distinction. In general, this is the difference between Torah and mitzvahs. Torah, which is a study, manifests in many diverse details. Because all the inyanim, all the ideas, all the matters within Torah have distinctions based on the wisdom that's within those. The wisdom that's within. In Torah, when you study things, you study different things. Every part of Torah speaks about something else that's unique. Not only do the subject matter, all the, the subjects that are discussed in the Torah are distinct, but also the pleasure has different levels, distinct levels. And this is the meaning, this is what it means. The Indian, when we study in the Talmud, we say, the Talmud says that when the Jews stood at Sinai, every one of the Ten Commandments was uttered by God, or all the different opinions by, by Moses. Each, but each utterance of the Ten Commandments, it says their souls expired. I'll call Dibur Vidibur Parchanush Mosim. On each one of the Ten Commandments, each commandment, their souls, Parcha, fluttered away. Like a bird that flies away. And God had to make a special effort to bring them back. Why is that the case? The reason for that is the because at Sinai, when they received the Torah, they felt the pleasure within Torah, within each detail. And each of the Ten Commandments has its own distinct and unique pleasure. That's why on each utterance, each commandment, their souls expired. Because you could say, they heard the Ten Commandments, 
Fine, it was a very high revelation. One time their soul should expire. Why in each utterance? Because there's distinction here. Remember that we were speaking about earlier that every faculty has its distinct space. So same thing here. Every mitzvah has its distinct thing. But the Torah, he's saying, generally now, he's explaining now that generally speaking, mitzvahs have two parts. They have the kavana, the intention is distinct, but the will of God is equal. Now he's saying Torah is a mitzvah. Mitzvah is basically doing what God wants. Torah is understanding God's mind. So every detail has its own thing. So when they heard different utterances, each utterance had its own pleasure that it evoked, and therefore their soul expired, even though it expired a moment before for a different utterance. Okay? Okay, called Deba Vadibu. That's why, because in each one there's a unique and distinct pleasure, that's why in each one that they, each one their souls expired. Like he explains in the Kutatera, that's from the right, the Alter Rebbe, the founder of Chabad, in the discourse that begins, the Torah says, and I will be for you a, I mean, an instrument, a tool. And in the second discourse, we talks about Shabbos and Shalach, there he explains this point that he just said, that each one of the Ten Commandments had its own particular pleasure, and therefore when they heard it, their souls expired. On the other hand, mitzvahs but mitzvahs on the other hand, come from the divine, higher divine will, the supernal will, desire of God. Shebem kulam shavim. And in that, from that perspective, all the mitzvahs are equal. So though there's distinct mitzvahs, but as he said before, don't sit and weigh one mitzvah against another because there's an element that equalizes them all, and that's the will. So here we're finding here in application purposes how the, what he spoke earlier about distinct faculties as opposed to the makif, the will, desire that is all-encompassing, how it manifests in our work, in our serving God. Then he's going now another distinction. So similarly, we also find the difference between the responsibility, the obligation to study Torah and the obligation to perform mitzvahs. So he's going to explain now. In the responsibility to, to Asik to struggle to uh, study Torah, there are several levels. example so now he's moving over after he said that Torah in general has distinct every distinct element that's why each phrase they heard that their souls expired in, in in mitzvahs on the other hand all God's will so that's all about certain equalizer now he's also saying in our responsibility of performing of studying Torah and performing mitzvahs in the study of Torah we find levels Responsibility is made that you should pour over it day and night. We have a mitzvah. That you should pour over it or you should struggle, exert yourself day and night. That a person should always be studying Torah. However, this instruction is for scholars. For people who preoccupy themselves, and Yeshua'el literally means those that sit in the tents. Like what it says about Jacob, that he sat in the tent and studied. So this, so this directive that I just read is from... And now he's going to explain the distinctions. There's different levels of the responsibility that people have. But these distinctions Okay. 
So even though, so he's saying, okay, fine, the responsibility to study Torah has levels. Even though it says that you should always be studying day and night, always, constantly, so what are you saying that there is a distinction? The answer is that is for scholars. But business people, their responsibility is one chapter in the morning, one chapter in the evening. They don't have the responsibility of studying all day. Okay? Now he's asking, are you saying that they only have a responsibility in morning and night? Razal, the sages tell us, your Torah should be, should be permanent and your work should be temporary. So you see, even people who are business people, it says clearly that the Torah should be a priority. So why are you saying that uh, it's only during certain times and parameters? So the answer is, that means that it should be permanent in your soul. It doesn't mean that you could actually be learning all the time. It means in your soul you have to know that even if you're working most of the day, the real soul nourishment, the real priority in your life should be the internal spiritual study and work that you're doing. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because the ultimate purpose of every person is to study Torah. So in other words, even if most of the day is busy at work, you have to always know that what's really permanent in your life is the study, even if you're not studying all the time. And even while he's busy in business, in, in handling transactions and so on, In order for him to profit, so then he can it allows him the time, allows him the ability to study Torah, and to educate and guide his children in the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvahs. So, in other words, he's saying that the study of Torah we see has parameters, and different people have different responsibilities. And even those that have to always know that it's permanent in your life, Torah, but practically, they're not doing it all the time. So they have to know that's the means and there's the end. That's the end of it all. This all is in the study of Torah. However, when someone performs mitzvahs, and this, everybody is equal. Because everybody is responsible to do mitzvahs. So let's say putting on film, keeping Shabbos. That's equal. In study, there's a difference between a scholar and a business person. So even though the business person also should be a priority, but practically, he, to, he dedicates less time to it. When it comes to mitzvahs, everybody's equal. It's an equalizer. You don't say Shabbos is different for you than for me. You may internally, emotionally experience it differently, but the action is the same. Study is the action is different. How much you study, when you study, and so on. Another hand, Torah, which we're not, we're not everybody's equal, like the business people we mentioned. And even within this itself, there are many levels. The Gamba Esses so, 
Is that in hours? <clears throat> okay, the, the, he's repeating commercial. They're all equal, like the business people. And this too has many levels. Uh, because even scholars, Bali, no, Bali Asif, I'm sorry, even lay people that have a connection to Torah. need to make it a permanent fixture, as I said, permanent in time, as a priority. He's making a distinction now, just qualifying something he said earlier. Before he distinguished between people who are business people and scholars. So he said, you see, business scholars learn all day, business people morning and night. So even though in spirit they have to always know it's a priority, but there's a means and an end, it's an end, it's not the means, you know, the means is the, most of the things they're doing throughout the day, their work. And the end is the Torah. They always know that, even when they're working. Now he's just adding that in, in the study of Torah itself, not just between scholars and lay people, in lay people itself, you have two types. You have a lay person who are shayachim. They're more, they're more attuned to studying Torah. And there they also need to establish more permanence in time, not just in spirit. Then there's the person who's not really fundamentally connected or capable of really studying Torah. Nevertheless, he too um, has to study because everybody's responsible to study. That's his mitzvah. The only thing is, he fulfills the mitzvah through one chapter in the morning, one chapter at night. And in such a person, such a person, for him, what, is the, what do the sages say? Make it permanent. It means make it a permanent in your spirit, benefish, in your spirit. So we have people who actually can learn all day. So you see that that's one distinction. Another one, people who work all day, but they also can put more time to study because they appreciate it and relate it. And the rest of the people, who may not appreciate it. For them, their designated is not so much the time, but in quality. They have to know this is in their spirit. This is a primary thing in their spirit. Like Alter Eber writes in the laws of Talmud Torah, of teaching Torah. Chapter 3. So there's no difference we see between the responsibility of doing of, of studying of, of of exerting yourself in Torah and someone who um, well, and someone who's responsible to do mitzvahs. So we see there's a fundamental difference. In mitzvahs, as he's gonna say now, as he just said, mitzvahs is the equalizer, it's God's will. And you shouldn't be weighing the two. Or there's a distinction of how many hours you put in. And the differences that he just described between a scholar, a layperson, a layperson who's capable of studying, a layperson who's not so capable. Okay? It's not clear the different obligation between the two different laypeople, the one with more appreciation and the one with one more appreciation has to make more time. It's not more enough more just time. to do yeah. yeah, but, but the other one has to still study a chapter in the morning. And yeah, and night. still sense that it's a prior, it's a primary part of his life. And the one with appreciation has to do even more. more than also that. more yeah, more than a chapter in the chapter Exactly. Okay, so we see the difference in Torah and Mitzvahs. And the Kolzeh Mitzvah, And all this in Torah and Mitzvahs, because the Torah comes from the level of wisdom. Wisdom has a distinction of levels. Remember, we talked about the faculties 
The faculty is chachma is a faculty. A faculty is a fundamentally internal energy that's made up of levels. But mitzvahs come from the higher desire, the supernal desire. There, there's no distinction of levels. And now he's going back. Remember, he began before Torah and Mitzvah. He said it was the difference between the kavana, doing the mitzvah, the action, and the intent, the reason for it. So now he's going back. And mitzvah itself, this is the difference. There's the intention in the mitzvah. Compared to the fundamental, actual doing the mitzvah. Because of the will, because of God's will in it. Like I mentioned, the difference between the plumbers and the electricians. Their job is different. Their function is different. So from the perspective of the desire of the architect, of the builder, they're all equal. Everyone has to do their job. But from the perspective of understanding the details in action, they're very different. And that's why every mitzvah, you have to have two intentions. One is the is within the specific intention. And the second is a sense of awe of heaven. That you're the That you're there to serve God's will, fulfill his will, and to serve him in all the different ways that a servant serves a master. Like he says in Tanya, chapter 41. Okay. So basically, what he did was apply the concept that he's been talking about, internal energy, as, as opposed to permeating energy, as opposed to encompassing or transcendent energy, the makiv, that one is an equalizer. Everything is equal. Remember, as we said, will doesn't have a particular faculty a particular container in which it rests. Wisdom, on the other hand, does have a particular container. So Torah comes from wisdom, so it's very distinct and unique to each individual. Like you said before, wisdom breaks it down into details and how it, and how it, and, and each detail is different and so on. On the other hand, will and desire doesn't break into details. It's an equalizer. So mitzvahs have to be done like without equalization. Now he explains that in mitzvahs itself, you have also two things. The wisdom within mitzvahs, which distinguishes one from the next, and there the intention is different, and the action within mitzvahs, which is, originates from the will of the divine, and there there's, that's an equalizer. And that's why you have to have these two intentions in the mitzvah. Now he's going to just conclude and say, He's, asking, he's basically explaining a, somewhat that's something that's a little perplexed. We see in most of the mitzvahs in the Torah, the Torah concludes and says, I am your God. Why does it add, I am your God? It's seemingly not understandable. What is this concluding statement? What is this the closure in each prayer that I am God? However, the answer is, the mitzvahs that are dependent on the letter Yud is Yud and there are mitzvahs that are connected to the letter He. Remember, Yud Ke Vovke is made up of four letters, right? A Yud, which is like a dot, a He, which is like a box with a left leg and a space between the left leg, a Vov, which is a line, right? The transmission and the final hey, which is again the box. He's basically saying that a mitzvah, and he's answering the question, what is this anihavaya? So he's saying the mitzvah, the intention of mitzvah also have two. I'm sorry. That within mitzvah there are two things. One is the kavona, which is the intention, which means looking for the mitzvah, how they're dependent on the names, the letters of Yudke Vovke. The mitzvah is connected to you, the mitzvah is connected to hey. And when we say, I am your God, you're saying, this is the essence of the divine infinite light that's higher from the four letters. That are connected in the letter Yavai, Yudke Vovke.
the tzad chinus madregas zul lo yeshes chalkas madregas klal. From this perspective, from this level, there's no distinction between any levels at all. And that's why we conclude each of these mitzvahs by saying, I, I am your God. Why? That even though Torah has distinct levels, like we learned before, in the secrets and the reasons for the mitzvahs, nevertheless, do not sit and measure Different mitzvahs, as we said before. Because I am your God. The essence of the divine radiates in the name of Havaya, Yudke Vovke. And this is the level of the supernal will that's higher than Chachma. From this perspective, from this level, there's no difference at all. So basically what he's saying is as follows. That mitzvah is a general uniting force which is that's the divine desire, divine will. Okay. But so each mitzvah has its particular personality. Some are dependent on the letter Yud, some on the letter He. But then there's an aspect, I am your God, that's beyond the distinction between one and the next. And that's why we say, we conclude, I am your God. That even though there's differences in the reasons and the secrets of the mitzvahs, but remember, I am your God in all of them. And that's the equalizer. And that is the equalizer. Even in the Shema Vayin, even in the letters where there's the distinction between one and the next, there's the desire is equal that equalizes them all. That's higher than wisdom. The mitzadze lo This level, there's no difference. The and the general idea of this is that the energies and the, and the faculties that manifest in an internal way He's summing up the chapter now. They are all. They all manifest in a defined way. And that's why they're fundamentally diverse and distinct. And the same is as they manifest in one another and as they manifest in the containers. They all have definition. And the same thing spiritually. In Torah and the intention of mitzvahs, yeshes chalkus, there's distinction between one and the next. But the will within mitzvahs there, that's an equalizer, there's no distinction. And that's I am your God, that the ani, the I, within the yud kei the distinction, there there's an equal. So even though this mitzvah accomplishing one thing, this mitzvah is another, we always remember that there's the I that transcends the distinctions, and that's why you shouldn't be sitting and measuring one and comparing one to the next. Okay? This concludes chapter 4. And now I'll read the summary. And that's why the faculties fundamentally are defined, finite and distinct, and this is the this is the reason there are differences in the intention of mitzvahs. However, the level of the will within the mitzvahs, there they are equalized. That's how it is in general. The difference between Torah and mitzvahs. That's why there's no comparison. So it's the responsibility of studying Torah and it's the responsibility of doing a kavanas. That's why in doing a mitzvah, you have to have two kavanas. And that's why he concludes in each chapter, the equalizer. So essentially what he did was apply the principle that he was talking about before 
that the contain that the energy in the container is all joined in a defined, distinct way. He applied that now, and in contrast to what we learned about rotsin, keser, the crown, the rotsin, which is higher than containers. So he's explaining that in practical mitzvahs fundamentally are higher than containers. The will that's why don't measure, but they actually they are distinct. They are distinct. You know, this one comes from you, this one from hey, different mitzvahs. Torah also has the element of uh, that everybody has to study, but there's distinction of how, what times, and so on. Generally, Torah is more in the containers. Mitzvahs is the will and desire above it. But mitzvahs itself have two levels. There's the level of the doing the mitzvah because God wants to, wants you to do it. That doesn't have distinction. And then there's the level of each mitzvah has its personality, has its identity. Particular kavah. Right. Particular, right, exactly, specific to this particular mitzvah. So we have here the map. This is the first discourse in the entire thing. We finish in chapter 4. We have in the map, and we see it now also in the Torah mitzvahs level in our serving God, not just an abstract concept of energy and container, but how it manifests in a practical way, how they work with each other, how they help train each other, how they help become partners in this uh, in this work. The partnership being that the body and its needs has its definitions, the soul has its, and and um, and they meet in the context of you know both ways, like an intermediate interface. On one hand, there's the Torah, which is an equalizer, but I'm sorry, the mitzvah is the, the will is the equalizer and then distinguishes between one intention and the other. And the Torah is more of a distinct element because everyone's studying something. The Torah comes from wisdom, mitzvah comes from desire and will. And we'll stop and conclude here. That's chapter four, the end of discourse one, chapter one, page eight.